0: the bell, 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 The bell, bell, There's kind of a wide range of things to talk about right now in, uh, the Vidya realm. Um, I will get into some League of Legends worlds talk pretty shortly. Um, actually, I'm probably going to do it towards the end. Um, some other things I want to talk about is I'm building a new computer. And, um, so we're going to go through what I'm planning on buying. Um... And uh, maybe talk a little bit about some new uh, hardware that's out there, I guess. And I want to talk some Fall Guys. I want to talk some Cyberpunk 2077. Um, so let's get on into it. Alright, so I guess where we'll start is uh, I'm building a new computer. As as I stated just a minute ago. Uh, I've been running this... Uh, MSI laptop for a long time. That's really nice. Uh, it's really good. I mean, as far as laptops go, and it's lasted me quite quite some time. Um, but it it's just time to to move to a tower. I, I don't tend to like having a laptop as a uh, you know. I, I'd rather just have a full on tower. Um, so I'm gonna build it myself uh, just because. You know, so the, the people out there, some people who are, like, big on, like, the, you know, building your own computer crowd, like, they try to say, oh, you know, it's so much cheaper. It's not, like, that much cheaper. Um, I'm just going to throw that out there. I mean, because most of these places, like, that, you know, do custom builds for you and whatnot, like, they get the parts cheaper than you can. Right? You're buying these parts at retail, which can get quite expensive depending on, you know, what you're... Um, you know what you're getting. So, but it, I mean, it's like marginally cheaper, and and the big thing is like you can make sure that you're gonna get like exactly what you want because your options can be somewhat limited. And uh, hopefully, got the dogs to stop barking for a little bit there. Um, but you know, sometimes like you can't get exactly like the parts you want. Um, uh, so. From that perspective, it, it gives you a lot more flexibility to just do it yourself. Um, so I guess kind of running through it, uh, I for the first time ever, I'm actually going to buy an AMD product. Uh, I've never had a problem with AMD or anything like that. I mean it was just – I've always been an, an Intel and NVIDIA guy. But I think I'm going to go with an, an AMD um, CPU. I'm gonna go with the uh, Ryzen 3900 X. Um, so it's a it's definitely I don't know a little bit of overkill for what I need. Like as far as gaming goes, like the amount of like the clock speed is important up to a point, um, and the amount of cores is like not that huge. Like, but I, I figure why not? We'll go with the the, the Ryzen 9 just because, you know, it's kind of sick and, like, it's honestly not that much more expensive than, like, a, a Ryzen 7. Um, and so that actually comes with a uh, free Assassin's Creed Valhalla um, game game code, which is pretty dope. Um, I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game in a while, so it'd actually be kind of cool to to get that and, and probably fuck around with a, a little bit of Assassin's Creed Um, and then I'm going to get, uh, I I think I'm going to go with the Asus, uh, tough gaming X570 motherboard. It's from what I can tell, like at the price point, it's only about 200 bucks. It's actually just under 190 bucks. And actually I think right now it's on sale for like 10% off. So, um, a, right. The motherboard fits the socket for an AMD processor. So You know, first, most important thing is making sure that your motherboard matches the the CPU. Um, And then also the X570 chipset allows for PCIe 4, um, which is huge for data transfer speeds of your um, storage devices. So like your uh, solid state drives, your SSDs. So because actually for a lot of games that are like large sort of sandboxy style games, like you think about like your oblivions and your Skyrims and fallout and um, like Red Dead Redemption, even um, the biggest throttle for those games is actually not the graphics. The biggest throttle is the data transfer speeds between the storage device and your processor. And your and your graphics card, um, because these worlds get so big and so vast that uh, the the transfer speed cannot actually match the total amount of data that needs to be processed uh, in order to render the entire like world. So PCIe four is going to uh, really revolutionize. Games in, in that way because it, it's going to kind of take the uh, you know it's going to take the throttle out uh, on that and so and so I guess actually they're going to start it introducing in like the new PlayStation and the new Xbox for you know my my people out there who are Xbox and PlayStation gamers you know console players um, the new Xbox and and new PlayStation supposedly they're going to be running boards that can support PCIe four. So you won't have that throttle at the console level either. Um, but anyways, that's the big thing. Um, I, I mean, technically it will be PCI 4 for your graphics card as well. Um, but ba- there's basically no world in which your graphics card ever actually saturates that bus anyways. Like PCIe 3 is fine. Um, but from that perspective, so... It, it, it will vastly increase the, the data transfer speeds between your storage and your processor. So that's huge. Um, and then just kind of going down the list because I'm, I'm building this out on Newegg and Newegg has like a really nice CPU build. Like it has a nice computer builder like that makes it really easy and organized. Um, for my RAM, I'm going to go with uh, 32 gigs of G-Skill Trident Z Neo Um, it's a Ram, Ram stick that's specifically been tested for AMD Ryzen products. Um, and so that'll be two 16 gig sticks is, is how I'll do that. I'll obviously DDR four at this point, basically everything's DDR four as far as Ram goes. Um, and actually they've got some, uh, RGB elements on it and, um, and actually, I think my motherboard also does. So I have some cool lights to it, which is dope. And it's actually, it's compatible with the Asus Aura uh, software, which is what my motherboard would run. So that's very cool. I can sync the lights on that. Um, so video card, I actually have not filled out the video card yet because, and maybe this drives us into a slight tangent, uh, I'm gonna buy an NVIDIA 3080. Yes, I'm fucking pumped. Okay, so, uh, for those of you who know this, about, you know, what kind of is going on, this, I'm not gonna break any news to you, but for people who maybe are not as in tune with, um, you know, computer, like the computer world and, and gaming and whatnot... Uh, Nvidia just recently announced their 30 series of graphics cards, the 3070, the 3080, and the 3090. Um, and now this, and and I before this was like so set. I was like, I'm gonna go with an AMD graphics card. Um, you know, I I've heard a lot of good things because they're very cost effective. Most AMD graphics cards, like have, um, comparable performances to, like, not the top NVIDIA cards, but, you know, maybe, like, the second tier NVIDIA cards at, like, much reduced prices. Um, the big thing is I would I had constantly read online and from talking to people, um, also familiar with the products that, uh, the drivers tend to have a lot of issues. So, Like, if you get, like, a card that was introduced a year ago, like, you're probably not going to run into any problems. But, like, you know, if you're going to get, like, a new card, like – because AMD supposedly in October is going to be announcing some stuff. um, I'd be very – I'm very hesitant on on whether or not, like, the drivers are going to, you know, allow the card to work or if it's just going to be a paperweight for a while. Um, So that's very – that – really made me nervous like reading all of that stuff um and then that kind of timed up well with the fact that nvidia announced their 30 series um graphics cards and at this point i think i'm locked in i'm getting a 3080 uh i think it is a badass card now i haven't decided i was thinking i was going to get the founders edition i may look and see if like any of the others like um Asus or Oris or something like that makes one that uh, of interest to me um, just because sometimes they have better a lot of times I guess though like the third party brands set up better cooling systems than the the like Nvidia would but we'll see the 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 founder series actually it sounds like the cooling that they did on it is very um Innovative, I I I think that it's going to really I I mean I think that it's it's good enough like I I we shouldn't be running into heat issues I don't think, um, so I I will we'll, we'll kind of see but I'm I'm set I'm getting a thirty eighty I'm so certain like I that's what I want it is such a badass card it runs at like fifty percent faster than a twenty eighty Ti, um which is insane, I think these cards are really, like, next-level cards. Uh, I think that these are actually, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too hyperbolic, but as far as, like, when NVIDIA jumped from, I think it was, like, the 980 to, like, the 1080, and it was, like, this just enormous generational gap in graphics cards. I think that that's what we're going to see here because this is like, this is the next round of ray tracing The you know, the GeForce RTX. So we're going to see ray tracing vastly improved, um, on top of the fact that it was already really good. Like it was, but now like the ray tracing is going to be like, um, I forget the, I think they call it like point tracing or something like that. But like, it's actually like real, real ray tracing. So um, now we've got that. I think that they're keeping it at the same thing with the DLSS 2.0. I don't think that it sounds like 3.0 is going to be a thing, but 2.0 is fine anyways. Um, and then the price point is the biggest thing. So generally, so for example, like the 2080TI is like a $1200 graphics card right now. So they're introducing a card that's 50% better. That's like $700. So that's just in in itself that was the most shocking part of the reveal of the 30 series cards was their price point. So cuz the 3070 is 500 bucks and the 3070 is still is better than the the 2070 also by like 50% or something like that or it's like and it's some percentage better than the 2080. Uh, I'd have to pull up the... Uh, let's see if I can pull up the... Uh, NVIDIA 30 series cards here. Um, so, the 30... And, like, the the other thing is that the 3080 is coming out September 17th. So, today's September 12th. So we're, we're going to be seeing that come out the soonest. The 3090 comes out on September 24th, the day before my birthday, but the 3090 is like a $1,500 card. So that's not happening. (laughs) As much as I would love to run a 3090. uh, I think that's okay um at, maybe at some point it sounds like there'll be a 3060 and a 3050 but they'll probably be later on those will be obviously much you know more toned down more pr- cost effective cards but um you're going to see uh those also be exceptionally um you know improved from the previous 20 series cards um so let's see here Uh, the specs on these bad boys. Come on, come on. Oh, and this is the other thing, right? So the 3080 is going to be running like 11 gigs, 10 or 11 gigs of DDR6 memory on it, which is insane. Okay, that is huge. I mean, it was a big thing back when, like not that long ago when it was 8 gigs of memory on these graphics cards. Um, So the fact that we're going up to that, I mean, and like the... uh, it's actually fucking preposterous the 2090 is like 24 gigs which is the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard like i just don't even know how you would ever like what the 3090 couldn't do it seems insane to me at this point right um it's preposterous but let's see here um need to find it on the NVIDIA site. Okay, here we go. Sorry about this, people. I guess I could have just paused the uh, podcast while I did this, but now here we are, right? Okay, so the 3080 uh, with ray tracing on playing the game Control, for example, um, is running at an FPS of 80 compared to the 2080 running at an FPS of about 45. Um, So that's enormous, right? That's about double. Uh, Minecraft, with ray tracing on, is running at about just under 80, about 78-ish, while the 2080 is running at pretty much exactly 40. And then Borderlands 3, FPS at about 62, uh, when the 2080 is about 35 or so so yeah you're seeing about a double in the performance across the board on on the 3080 which um you know that's a massive massive jump in in uh what you're looking at so um Yes, yeah, so as I said, we kind of jumped into a tangent on this on this 3080 subject, but, like, I, I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited that it timed up with the fact that I was going to build a new computer, that this uh, release comes out and these cards are enticing enough. I, I generally am not someone who gets, like, you know, the new tech, like, right when it comes out because it's expensive and whatnot, but the price point was, you know, at $700 was reasonable, and... For, you know, because you consider like this graphics card is going to last me ideally, you know, seven years, e- I would think easily, you know, I, I mean, d- it kind of depends, but I, den- I don't tend to play anything that's that intensive on the graphics, but um, but I'm, I'm 100% going to get Cyberpunk 2077 when that comes out. So that's obviously that that game is going to be fucking beautiful. Um, so anyways, the case. This actually, now the case for my uh, new build computer is without a doubt the single biggest pain in my ass. I, I cannot decide on a case. But right now, I think what I'm going to go with is the Cooler Master Master Case H500P. Um, so the biggest issue... Uh, is, like, finding a case where it looks like the cable management is going to be easy, and also that the airflow is going to be good. And so, and I I want, you know, to have, uh, you know, the LEDs. I want to get some RGB on there, get some cool fucking color effects. And so, finding one that can sync with the Aura Sync, so I can get that, you know, all the LEDs just making this thing look badass as buck um but also having room for the appropriate size radiator for my cpu cooler because i'm gonna get an all-in-one cooler uh liquid cooler for my uh cpu um and so kind of getting that figured out was just uh a pain in the ass but i think that that's what i'm gonna roll with so moving down uh power supply fractal design ion plus 7060p 80, and, and that's an 80 plus platinum certified. So it's a very uh, efficient uh, power supply. Doesn't generate a lot of heat, doesn't consume, uh, or like its power consumption to output ratio is um, very high, which is excellent. Uh, fully modular. So for anybody who's thinking about um, building a computer, especially for the first time, I highly recommend looking at fully modular power supplies because uh, basically what that means is that all the pins on it for power are are very um, well delineated. The cables are well delineated. It's very clear what goes to what. It just makes it, – it really, really simplifies the whole thing. So um, as far as storage goes, right now I'm at least going to get one stick. Of the Gigabyte Aorus, uh Gen Four uh, M2 One Terabyte uh, uh, Solid State Drive, so basically that was a lot of bullshit just to tell you that it's um, it's a one terabyte solid state drive that's in the M2 form factor. So it basically looks like a little tiny stick that actually just connects directly onto your motherboard, which is nice. It's super convenient uh, as opposed to the two and a half inch solid state drives, which I may get one of those as well. I don't know. But so the big thing about that is so that, um, the, the, this solid state drive runs at, uh, PCIe four on, uh, the four pin connector of the PCIe four. Um, so this solid state drive actually takes advantage of my motherboard's capacity for data transfer. So that is, um, huge uh for you know obviously like if i'm gonna get this real like this motherboard that runs this generation of a bus like you should take advantage of it so it's it's a little bit more expensive but actually frankly it's it's really insane when you think about it that it's only 170 dollars for this because one terabyte is obviously a fuck ton of storage um i mean it goes fast you know when Obviously, like you know, when you think about, you're gonna throw your operating system on it and everything, but still, you know, that's why I might get another, um, maybe like a two and a half inch SSD for just stuff that, like, I don't really. I I actually, I think my that my board does have two slots, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, I may even actually just get two sticks, but uh, otherwise, you know, I'll just get like a two and a half inch and. and run that, and then, you know, obviously won't have quite the same data transfer rates, but, hey, you know, it's fine. Because it, it'll probably be for stuff like pictures and videos and, and podcast episodes and stuff like that, you know, right? So, <clears throat> I, I don't really need these insane data transfer speeds to store that kind of stuff. Um, but then, um, my CPU cooler, I'm going to go with the Corsair IQH115i. Uh, which is a 280 millimeter um, radiator. It's so that's two 140 millimeter fans. That's why also part of why I needed to figure out a case that could handle a 280 millimeter radiator, especially because I wanted to be able to put it on the top of the case. Um, so uh, that's also got RGB on it, and it actually syncs with IQ, which is uh, Corsair software that i i have a corsair mouse and keyboard so it kind of matches up with those um and so there we are you know and and i'm gonna have to get a new monitor as well but i haven't figured out what i'm gonna do about that yet so um that was me i i guess uh you know just really getting as as up my own ass as i could be there and and you know trying to entertain you guys by talking about what i'm going to do for myself um but so you know we've gotten that out of the way i'm very excited about this this new computer it's really going to take my whole setup to a level that is such a jump i, I haven't had like this level of technology jump in a long time so i'm, I'm very excited about it because um, like i've said i've been running this this laptop for five years or so now almost um And it's been an amazing laptop, but then, and you know, before that I was running kind of an older laptop, uh, so I haven't had a tower since high school now, because it's hard to have one in college, and my apartment, uh, where I lived previously, it was also sort of like inconvenient to have a tower, so very, very excited to kind of make this change. Um, I'm very excited to build this myself, Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And so we'll, we'll kind of go through some of that as, as that happens. But so anyways, this kind of leads us into what I want to talk about next, right? Cyberpunk 2077, the long awaited Cyberpunk 2077, right? This game has been, um, I, I mean, it's been delayed forever. I, this game has been in talks. Um, let's see if I can find like the exact date. Cause I, this, I think this game was announced. Like, let's see. Um, I think it was announced in like 2016 or 2017. It has been way, you know, and um, the thing that's really cool, right, is so it's being done by CD Projekt Red, which is the, the people who did The Witcher Three Wild Hunt, (laughs) Um, which, so in in general, right, like The Witcher Three in general is just an amazing fucking game. So I actually never played. I actually haven't played The Witcher Three at all. This is only through like. Uh, talking to my friends about this and and watching gameplay. Like, I've watched gameplay of it, but I haven't actually played it myself. But it's a beautiful game, like... And I've played The Witcher 1 and 2, and so I know that those games are fucking amazing. But supposedly, The Witcher 3 is just, like, next-level great game, and all the X-Packs are really good, so Wild Hunt's an X-Pack, an expansion pack. Um, So, in fact, when I get my new computer all set up maybe i'll get the witcher 3 and play some of that as well um i haven't been playing a lot of sort of single player games and whatnot for quite some time so that'd be a lot of fun um but anyways uh cyberpunk 2077 is based on a cyberpunk uh it's like a uh, book or uh i think like a, it might be like a an a manga Oh, it's like a role-playing game. Sorry. Okay. It's it's this uh, tabletop game by this guy Mike Pondsmith, um, who has like he developed this game back in like the '90s, I think. And so, but it's like supposedly quite a a very popular game. Um, And so it sounds. Then Mike Pondsmith started. So, actually, he started consulting on the project in 2012. So, that's how long this game has been, like, in the works. Is that in 2012, they were getting... They were starting to do consulting on this stuff. Right? Um, so... And then, it's supposedly, it's drawing influences from Blade Runner and Ghost in the Shell, uh, System Shock, and Deus Ex, which... Uh, First of all, if you haven't watched the Blade Runner movies, they're amazing. Absolutely amazing. And the vibe of the Blade Runner movies is fucking perfect for a video game like this. It is so fucking cool that we're going to get like this dystopian, like high tech, futuristic world um, that's very sort of like nihilistic and. Uh, like, it's just such a, like, it's such a cool concept, right? It's such a, a entertaining concept of a game. So, to have the Blade Runner, and I would say also that um, it, it has very much, from what I can tell, like, sort of altered carbon type of vibes as well. And, and Ghost in the Shell is an excellent anime series that is very much in that same kind of realm. Um, so, if you're aware of any of those three things... Um, many of you may be aware of Altered Carbon if you're not aware of the Blade Runner movies or Ghost in the Shell. Um, and so I would say that those are maybe, uh, you know, some good examples of kind of like what the feel of the game is supposed to be like. And then I, I'm actually not even really aware of System Shock, the video game. It's from ni- from the 90s. Uh, but Deus Ex was an excellent video game that came out in 2000 that also is sort of like that futuristic style kind of game. Um, and then, let's see, supposedly, um supposedly as far as people who consulted or contributed to the game and it looks like it's all for like as far as music goes who um contributed to the music of the game are people like run the jewels uh asap rocky uh gazelle twin uh and I, i'm just reading off of the wikipedia because it's really like the information is kind of very you know sparing but i I trust that stuff like this tends to not get fucked up when it's on wikipedia uh i do not know how to say this name lon rubin elon elon rubin um richard divine nina kravitz kraviz a russian dj damn that's sick deadly hunter rat boy and tina guo um Don't know who all those people are, but I know who some of them are, and that's pretty fucking badass. Um, And let's see, Keanu Reeves was approached about doing a role, I don't know if he actually did, that's badass though. Um, So, anyways, sorry, this is long-winded, but this is actually like a really hyped up game. And we haven't had one in quite some time, like a game that like really had like this hype coming into it. Um, which is kind of scary because sometimes these games don't live up to the hype, but I, I mean, at least in my opinion, the last time I can think of a game that really had like an amazing amount of hype and was delayed for a long time, but like finally came out and, um, and, and like, you know, it was just, like, that moment of, like, finally this game is here is probably Diablo 3, honestly. And and Diablo 3, I don't think by... I mean, a lot of people, you know, would definitely say that Diablo 2 was better. But um, Diablo 3 by no means fell flat, in my opinion. I think, I mean, people still, like, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people still play Diablo 3, like, every day. like, And it's been out for, what, like, 10 years almost? Um, so... I, I would say that that certainly was by no means a flop. So I, I this is like a game that's actually got me and a lot of other people I know very excited to play. Um, and so then I think we can wrap up on on Cyberpunk. The next game I want to talk about is a game that's basically the exact opposite in terms of all of the hype came out after it was released and everyone realized, holy fuck, this game's badass is Fall Guys. Fall Guys is basically a um, battle royale Mario Party, right? So it's like a battle royale of just like Mario Party style mini games. So if you, like me, have any sort of fond memories of playing Mario Party when you were younger, immediately like this is gonna scratch that itch for you. I promise. Like the uh, like the mini games are so fun. Some of them are bullshit. The fucking soccer one is such bullshit. I can't even stand it. I fucking hate that minigame. So, but otherwise, a lot of the mini games are extremely fun. All of the races are cool. Um, the team games—they're—they're they're fun. They're kind of like fucking annoying though, because like you just get fucking trolls and people who suck, and then it's like you just lose because someone on your team fucking sucks. Um, cause it's like, dude, just fucking hit the ball, you know, or whatever. Like, or just play some fucking defense or don't steal the egg from your own goddamn teammate. Um, anyways, so, uh, Fall Guys, such an addicting fucking game. And I think, I guess on like PlayStation, it's like free or some shit. Um, but I, I know on, The computer, it's 20 bucks, right? It's, you know, it's not that bad. It's uh, well worth the $20, I would say. And frankly, I mean, it's cool because it was sort of like a small-time project. I I mean, even at first, like, they, you know, um, I forget who it is who made the game, but they were saying, like, they were having issues because they didn't expect the game to be so popular, so they didn't have the servers in place to handle the amount of people who wanted to play um, so like, I mean, that tells you how kind of small time the game really was in terms of its development and everything, which just is always cool to kind of contribute to like small time, small developers, because, um, really at this point, that's where like the innovation in video games comes from is, uh, smaller developers because like basically like for-profit I mean, obviously, right, you want to make a profit on your video games, I understand that. So, like, for-profits, probably, uh, public, publicly traded, maybe, is the better term to use here, type of um, game developers. It just, they just, you know, because, like, they have shareholders to answer to, so I understand, like, that it's, like, they have, they have to keep that in mind, but it's just, like, it just ruins the creativity of video games entirely. Like, you know, I, this was, like, the biggest thing that really, like, killed me when Blizzard, um, you know, merged with Activision and then became, a you know, a public company, is that, like, Blizzard for a long time uh, was kind of, like, this name of, like, you know, they they produce, like, great games, you know, like... Obviously, I mean, at that time, World of Warcraft was fairly young. I think it was maybe a Burning Crusade expansion pack at that time. Um, But, you know, like, Warcraft 3 was amazing. StarCraft and StarCraft 2 were, like, these huge hit games. Diablo 1, 2, and at that point, Diablo 3 had not come out yet, um, but had been in the works for some time. So it was, like, you know, the games, like... The Diablo series and Starcraft and Warcraft and then World of Warcraft was such a hit and Burning Crusade was even better than Vanilla Um, and so it was like Blizzard was kind of that company where it was like basically they can never fucking lose like they cannot do wrong but then I really think once they became a publicly owned entity that like it just ruined them like I I mean they still had good expansion packs after that right Wrath of the Lich King was good um Cataclysm, not so much. But then uh what was next? Miss of Pandaria. Miss of Pandaria was good. Um and then I think it was Warlords of Draenor, which seemed like it was okay. I didn't I didn't really play Warlords of Draenor, but like I and then Legion. I thought Legion was good. Um and so I played Legion and so like I leveled up through Warlords of Draenor, but I didn't actually play like any of the like endgame content of it really. Um, Same for Mists But I think that Mists of Pandaria um, Was a a game that like Or like an expansion that Really focused on like the zones And the leveling experience in a way that was Extremely fun Um, So uh, I played Legion and then I think What is like Battle for Azeroth Now or and I think Shadowlands is coming out Or something like that I I don't know Because I didn't play Battle for Azeroth I stopped in the kind of like towards the end of Legion um, just because, uh, I mean, frankly, I I, I got a girlfriend. Um, I don't I don't know how else to to put it really. I, otherwise, I'd probably still be playing. <laughs> um, but you know, then since then, what Blizzard, what they reskinned Vanilla WoW, which is like has only been the most fucking obvious thing in the world to do, by the way, because um, Vanilla WoW private servers. And Burning Crusade private servers Have been a thing for a long time People like basically People run a server where they have The original version Or Burning Crusade version Of World of Warcraft loaded to it And you basically enter it Through the World of Warcraft launcher It's kind of a grey area Um Because Blizzard sort of at first At least didn't seem to mind it But then like later on started To get more like uh you know that's not legal you can't do that which was kind of bullshit because it was like well look if you gave us a fucking vanilla server we wouldn't be trying to play these private servers um but anyways so a a lot of people like i mean no i played on a vanilla private server for a long time i played on a burning crusade private server for a long time like because they're just more fun versions of the game. So it was like, why wouldn't you have I always thought from the get-go, what they should have done is kept servers like a Burning Crusade server and a you know, a vanilla server, even at that time. Cause I was like, it would be cool. And then like that you could copy your your character once you got to like sixty or fifty eight or something like that. Um, since technically you can go to Outlands at fifty eight. Um that you could copy them over to an expansion server like Burning Crusade, but then you could also have them and stay on a vanilla server. So it's like you could play your same, you know, you wouldn't have to level twice or something like that. Um, You could play your same class, whatever, um, on both expand, you know, on the original and the expansion. And then same thing, like when Wrath came out, that like you could, you know, move, copy your, um, burning crusade one over onto a wrath server. So it was like, you always had the option to kind of just go back to like, what is like just that server um, or just that expansion. And so I just don't know why they didn't do that, but obviously now they've got vanilla out, but like, like I said, got a girlfriend can't really play vanilla. Wow. Well. Otherwise I will very quickly become single because she will never see me again. Uh, um, that is how deep my addiction for world of Warcraft was. Um, and and probably still is uh, you know it's like you know it's like they say you know just because you're not using doesn't mean you're not an addict, um, and and that would probably very much uh, apply to me. And um, what was largely referred to World of Warcraft was largely referred to as crack in CD form, and uh, I think that's the most accurate description um, of any video game ever. So. That being said, right, I, I, you know, this is just a tangent on, and I think, Blizzard, and, like, Overwatch, I just think that Blizzard, you know, they tried to, like, do too much to monetize it, and then it, like, I, I just don't know that it's really turned out that well. Um, Heroes of the Storm was a great fucking game, and, like, is still a great game, and Blizzard gave it no attention, and it was sort of like, why wouldn't you? Because, like, this game, you could actually, like, this is a good fucking game. Um, and for some reason, they felt like they couldn't monetize it well enough or something because it's shareholders and shit. And, like, so the game gets no attention. It, like, it could be, like, that could be so much better. Um, I mean, obviously, with, like, the enormous popularity of League of Legends and Dota 2, like, why not, like, a mob, people like MOBA style games. Like, um, and Heroes of the Storm was very different in a lot of ways from Dota 2 and League of Legends, which makes it its own thing, which is cool and fun, and people like it, like, yeah, it just, I just don't understand why, um, like, basically anybody I talk to who's played, like, both League of Legends and Heroes of the Storm, most of the time, like, even me, like, I play League of Legends, I don't play HOTS anymore, but, like, I look more fondly towards HOTS, like, I felt like, the way that the game plays it's more casual and i think that's where it kind of loses itself is because like league of legends basically why i play is because it's a very hyper competitive game um but hots is like very casual it's so much fun to play with your friends it just feels very relaxed it's a it's a great game um so um let's see Now, I totally, like, lost where I was – well, okay, right. So I was supporting, like, a smaller company who makes, like, Fall Guys, stuff like that. Because, like, that's – like, nowadays, like, that's really where it comes from. I mean, obviously Cyberpunk 2077 is, like, this big mega project video game. But they're very rare. They don't happen anymore. Hardly at all. Um, And so, I I mean, because, like, what – recently came out um fucking you know valorant is from riot games did league of legends so they've got a lot of money to kind of fund towards that but like uh and valorant i think is a great game i haven't played it much at all lately but i think it's a lot of fun i think it kind of gets a new fps out there that's a lot of fun um ghost of shishima looks like it's Supposedly pretty good I haven't actually Done any research on it or played any Of it or who made it or anything like that And then I mean I guess what we're Not that far removed from when Sekiro Came out and that's a great game And that comes from From Software uh, Who did the Dark Souls series who Is another example of like Kind of like a more low-key developer Who made these amazing Games with Demon Souls and then Dark Souls and then Bloodborne And now Sekiro um, and, and so, like, you know, now they've got money, and, like, the big thing is that they, st- they're staying the course on, like, making good games that are, like, that fit their fucking, like, niche, right? Like, cause the, like, all the Dark Souls games in, in, uh, Sekiro and, and Bloodborne, they're f- hugely popular games, but they're very, like, Cult classic esque, right? Because it's really a niche of gamers that are really into it. Because they're really hard games. Um, they're very challenging mentally. Really, is like they're very mentally challenging games. And so a lot of people like that's just not what they want. They don't want a game that challenges them that much. Like they just want the point and click shooter where, like, they just feel like you know they're succeeding as they're, you know, staying alive and getting kills. But uh, which you know to a certain certain degree is what Dark Souls is, but like it's just a lot harder to stay alive and get kills, you know. Like so, um, that that style of game like is what their niche is, and they stay to their niche, and they don't really like kind of bow down to like whatever the demands are, or, like look, you know, or like what where the profit necessarily is. So that's really exciting. Um, that they're still out there. And I think that they actually have something in the works for some sort of, like, space ninja type of situation that's been rumored for a long time. So I don't know much about about it, but that would be badass if that those rumors are true. So, um, let's see here. We're, like, 45 minutes in. I guess this is probably a good time to maybe transition into the League of Legends worlds talk. Huh. Okay. So... Um, I, I didn't want to get too far along here without getting to this. Cause, so the biggest thing right now, right. Is, uh, worlds is happening for league of legends, which is huge because MSI didn't happen, uh, which is the other big tournament of, of, you know, international tournament of the year. So worlds is happening, right. And it's going to be happening in, uh, China starting on September 25th, my birthday. How about that? Let's go. Um, and like, this is it, right? This is, uh, um, trying to find like the, you know, the good comparison. I, this is March Madness. I would say that's the the best way to describe it. This is March Madness for League of Legends. Um, this is, you know, international tournament, um, takes all the best regions. Really the, the best regions being, um, China, which is the LPL, uh, Korea which is the LCK Europe which is the LEC and North America which is the LCS. Um, there are a couple other regions uh, the PCS which is like Taiwan and Hong Kong um, and a couple other places that I, I'm not sure um, and then there's usually there's like a representative from Brazil, and then there's the CIS, which uh, – I or there's, like, the LCL, I should say, but I don't recall, like, where they come from. There's the LJL, which is Japan. Um, there's Latin America, Oceania, which, you know, like, Australia and stuff. And then there's Turkey, right? The, the, but the, all those are kind of, like, minor regions uh, comparably to – uh the big four um and even then you know some people would probably argue that you can't even really call it the big four because north america has been so uh far behind in you know compared to these you know the other three regions which i mean you know if you play the results that's certainly true i think that north america um I, I mean, I think North America's biggest problem probably is that we don't foster enough talent in North America. Um, and I, I think a part of that is because, uh, like, in Europe, for example, there's, like, European Masters, right, where people are playing professional League of Legends. It's, it's sort of like, um, you know, playing in Double A versus Major League Baseball, or like the G League instead of uh, the NBA, you know, these are like, partnered sort of like you know semi-pro organizations right where these people are getting paid to play the game um and inevitably get a shot at going up into you know the lec in this case you know or into into the majors right as you would say Um, so uh and korea has their uh challenger series which is similar uh, and Korea also does a little different because Korea actually has relegation uh, in in the LCK. So, like, the worst teams get relegated and then teams come up from the Challenger series to replace them, kind of like how um, it works in soccer in Europe. Um, and so that also obviously introduces a lot of opportunity because, uh, for example, um, the team that I, I think is probably the best team right now in the world, Damwon Gaming, Damwon Gaming. Sorry, I went a little hard with the A there. Uh, Damwon Gaming, I believe, came up from the Challenger series, like, two years ago. I think it was two two years ago, uh, or one, one or two years ago now. I think maybe even one. Uh, that they came up, you know, brand new team to the LCK, um, managed to make Worlds, and had, like, a, a really impressive uh, Worlds performance. They made it into the... Um, knockout stage and then this year uh in spring they were okay but like kind of like you know like they they were sort of a middle of the pack kind of team and then in the summer split they have been absolutely on fire and they are just i mean probably the most talented top to bottom team um i i think right now so Uh, That, you know, that, that allows that opportunity exists. But in, in North America, there is no system like that really. Like, so um, the teams, like the franchises, I guess um, they do have like a minor league system, which is like the LCS Academy, but I don't think the LCS Academy, like they're not doing a good job of like marketing the LCS Academy. They're not doing a good job of like getting the LCS Academy out there. Right. Because like, for example, European masters, is like a big deal. It gets a huge draw when it's live on Twitch and and uh, YouTube. Like, it it's extremely popular. Um, and then like in North America, nobody cares about the Academy. And and that's and and the thing too is that the LCS gets a lot of viewers. Like people care about the LCS. So that it only stands to believe you could get them interested in Academy if you tried to. Um, so I think that's North America's biggest problem right now. But uh, anyway, so let, let's kind of go down the list of the qualifiers. So we'll start with who's qualified for the group stage so they get to, you know, they don't have to do the play-in stage. Um, so for the group stage out of China, uh, you've got Top Esports, who is probably, in my opinion, the second best team in the world right now behind Dom Damwon. Uh, you got JD Gaming, um, who has been, uh, I, I mean, really, really impressive. Uh, Suning, uh, I'm, I, I haven't really watched it, any of Suning. Uh, and then out of Europe, um, you've pretty much got Chalk on 1-2, right? You've got G2 Esports and Fnatic, uh, both of which have basically, uh, I mean, been, they've been in those slots for what feels like forever. Um, And we will see, right, because uh, G2 has sort of been that team who's been right on the cusp um, these past couple of years. They are an extremely talented team. They're an extremely dynamic team. One of the things that makes them so good is that G2 throws everything at you. I, I mean, they are so good at a playing around caps in the mid lane and B giving you different looks that like you just don't expect. Right. Because all of them are so wildly talented. I mean, um, one you know, the player probably who gets the least amount of attention. I, and I mean, I, I maybe not the least amount of attention, but I, I guess probably speaks the least. I mean, the, the player you hear from the least on that team is wonder their top laner. And um, if you go and look at uh, this, just in the summer split this year, I think he played like 12 different champions. I mean, he literally, like, it's insane, the champion pool that he has. He plays everything. So the fact that you have like that level of dynamic play where you can bring in all these different champions is really insane. And then Fnatic is kind of similar and it's almost like, right now feels like budget g2 and don't get me wrong here okay i'm a fanatic fan all right i really like fanatic um i love bwipo and i think that reckless is obviously you know like a legend um i think nemesis is a a very good mid laner who just has some sort of like uh, random issues at time and then i think Selfmade is an excellent jungler and Hill is saying is fine. I, I, I think he gets more too much flack, but sometimes he does kind of just run it down, which is weird. But um, when I say that, I just mean I, I like Fnatic is also a team that's good at being creative. But the problem is, is, sometimes it feels like they're trying to be creative for the sake of this like creativity that like doesn't match up with like what their like strengths are. Um, And so they kind of, like, take themselves out of, like, where they're strong um, for the sake of trying to, like, mix things up. And then it just kind of falls flat, you know? it Like, it just kind of hits them back in the face where G2 gets really creative, but it seems clear that G2 gets creative in a way in what, like, they're still strong. Um, And so that's where I feel like Fnatic... needs to tighten it up a little bit and and maybe we'll see that in worlds i mean maybe a lot of this was just kind of them messing around because they like when they beat g2 in um what was it the semifinals, um of this summer split like they looked good they looked really good and like it felt like they were playing their game uh they played at their pace they played the champions that they felt good with um and they made it happen um except for what was it like game 2 or something like that where they just it felt like they just ran it down but um but then you know in the finals where like at that point right they're both qualified it doesn't really matter but it just felt like they weren't they were just not coordinated it felt like they weren't you know kind of they weren't playing in like the like where their strengths are you know like it it just feels disjointed because um one of the things is i think it's very unclear on who they're trying to play around right so g2's big thing is g2 plays around caps um and from there they they basically just everything revolves around getting caps big getting caps the champions that he wants to play um and making sure that he doesn't fall behind in in potentially losing matchups um basically all they're almost always playing around caps um and then on fanatic it feels like they're it's never obvious who they're playing around right like sometimes it feels like what they want to do is play around reckless but then it, like they want to but then like they seem to do a lot of things that don't really match up with that um or sometimes they want to play around nemesis but then like they're not giving nemesis the right champions to do that and like and then you know i think sometimes self-made whether or not they're trying to play around self-made self-made is under the impression that they are playing around him and so he can get a little greedy at times i mean obviously we saw him like run it the fuck down and and what was hilarious on that hecarim where he just like ran into the like literally whatever a group of four under tower i mean in fairness almost did one shot caps i think it was um but still you know it's like it was like what in the fuck was that you know um but so that's I, i think their problem is they just don't under like it never seems like it's clear who they're trying to play around um and and i think maybe that would help maybe i don't know i you know i'm not saying for sure but because you know Damwon, very interestingly, uh, you know, kind of jumping over to, to Korea. Well, you know, we'll we'll get to Damwon in a second because we haven't actually gone through. So the third team in uh, Europe is Rogue. Rogue is very toast. Rogue is very um, steady, not flashy. Um, and so I think that Rogue... Um, i i don't know it's hard to say i i I think that rogue is gonna have a hard time progressing depending on the like the draw depending on who they get because i think like for example if rogue gets um one of the lpl teams has to face a a chinese team i think rogue is completely fucked because uh what china loves to do china does the most insane shit right when it comes to league i mean china does like level 1 tower dives level 2 tower dives level 3 tower dives these insane plays um and for a team like rogue who basically wants nothing to do with that i i think that they're going to get really uncomfortable when the issue gets forced on them that early and and then i mean i guess it will kind of coin flip right because if they manage to survive that then they'll probably come out ahead, but if they don't, they're gonna fall behind and then they're just screwed. Because I don't think that Rogue is really that great at at coming back. I mean, I know that Larson has been an excellent mid laner, and that's gonna help a lot. But I just don't. I, I just don't know. I I just don't see um, exactly how it is that like they can really progress with their play style. Um, okay, so now jumping over into Korea, right? So now we've got Damwon, uh, who, like I said before, I think is the best team in the world right now, um, and Damwon is a team where they're exceptionally talented, right? They've got literally, I mean, they were all first team LCK at every spot except for AD carry, uh, in which case Ghost was second team, all LCK, which, I I mean, considering the fact that the first team uh, ADC was Ruler, like, that's not that big of a knock, okay? Because, like, Ruler is one of the most insane players I think I've ever seen at the AD carry position. So, um, and especially because what Ghost is really good at, um, and I know LS has talked about this a couple of times um, on his streams and I think while he's casting, so... I, I, I don't want to take this as my own opinion, necessarily. This is more so uh, L, an analysis from LS, which I I happen to fully agree with, um, is that what Ghost is really good at as an AD carry, which is very uncommon for AD carries, is Ghost is really good at just being stable and being, like, a team player, right? He's sort of the um, the glue guy or, you know... Um, in like as a basketball example, it's sort of like the guy on the court who does all the dirty work for you, right? Like his numbers aren't super flashy, but like he's out there doing the things that somebody needs to be doing, um, you know? Or similarly in football, right? Like um, he's like the wide receiver who's like an excellent blocking receiver or like, a you know, something like that, right? Like where he's not the one where you're like, you're not getting him on your fantasy team. You're not... Take you know you're not excited about the name uh and even if like he was on your team like you wouldn't think much of it but like internally like they love the guy because like he plays the role that he needs to play and he plays he plays it exactly how he should play it um and and so that's that's ghost's biggest strength is their eighty carry which is perfect because here's the thing they have all-stars at all four other spots um Which is where it becomes extremely similar, in a way, to, like, Fnatic's situation, right? Where it's, like, who do you play around? But somehow, Damwon is so fucking good at just, like, managing who they're going to play around depending on what's going on. And, And they're super adaptive. And they're super adaptive in their draft, which is something that not enough teams are, right? So, Damwon is very good at, change, like, flipping on a dime how they're drafting based on who they're you know playing and, and like what they're drafting. So that helps a ton, but so you have barrel at um, support who is probably, I mean, obviously he was first team LCK. He might be the best support in the world right now. Um, I don't know that anybody else really, really can, can kind of contend that. I mean, maybe carry out of DRX and, and, uh, Korea, but otherwise I think Beryl is easily the biggest playmaker of a support that there is. Um, and then you've got showmaker in the mid lane who is just, uh, I mean, it's, he's so insanely good at so many different champions and he's just, I, I mean, his laning phase is just perfect. Uh, I mean, or so close to perfect. Um, and and he's you know he's just so strong in lane and he's so strong uh in the mid game and and he just he's so excellent at the right champions to be excellent at that he's just such a force and i i'm i mean he's a top two mid laner in the world because i think that uh chovi on drx is probably better like I uh, I mean they're they're neck and neck. It's really really hard to say. The only reason I'd give it to Chovy is that when the two face each other Chovy tends to get the better of him. Um and and I don't know exactly why that is. Um but I mean obviously right DR I mean Damwon Damwon um 30 DRX in the Summer Split finals. Like Damwon is just so good. But in those games I mean, I think it was game one, maybe, where Showmaker is playing Syndra, who he is amazing at, and Chovy picked Akali, which should be a pretty hard lane for Akali to play because Syndra should just basically bully her away from everything. And Akali was, like, ahead and farm for the majority of the laning phase. Um, and so, like, stuff like that, it's just like... uh what you know like that you should be taking advantage there but then uh then you have canyon in jungle who i think is indisputably the best jungler in the world i think that canyon has been playing absolutely out of his mind um his nidalee is one of the most insane things i've ever seen he's so fucking good at her and she's such a difficult champion to play um, which makes him so dangerous as like someone who's capable of playing that as like because he's also very good at Karthus. and the the important thing here is that that makes two AP junglers that he is exceptional at, which is so hard then to draft against because like those are basically back pocket picks always, um, and then you've got Nuggery who has been incredible in the top lane and. I, I mean, somehow has this insane ability to hit his O2 power spike, like nobody's business. The Nuggery dies twice in lane, like as a given, like they might as well start the game with like Nuggery having two deaths and like, you know, two kills split between the jungler and the top laner. <laughs> like it, it's, it's so absurd how often he is dead twice by like 10 minutes into the game. And then he just pops off. Like, I don't know if it's, like, some sort of, like, he's just, you know, giving them a handicap or something to make it, like, closer or what. Because then after that, he just becomes so dominant. Um, Because he's just so, he's so oppressive and lane, which makes him easy to gank. Um, And he's not, his wave manipulation isn't always super great. He kind of just perma shoves at times. Uh, which again makes him easy to gank but it also makes him so oppressive to play against um, <clears throat> and so you round that out and it's just like this team where it's like you could play around your mid laner, your jungler, your top, your and then like and then you just also have this support who like you're not going to play around but is also just out there constantly making plays. <clears throat> so um, and then you got DRX uh, with so chovy who might be the best mid laner in the world. Um, and then you've got Gen G, who has Ruler as their AD carry, who's probably the best AD carry in the world right now. Um, <clears throat> and then out of North America, you've got TSM, right? So, um, it's good to have TSM coming out and looking in good form because, uh, TSM is, I think, quite obviously the most popular team in the LCS, the most popular North American team. Um, <laughs> They always have been, and for them to have double lift back is also a big thing. It's going to really help with getting eyes on the LCS, getting attention. So I really hope that TSM can play really well in Worlds, Um, something they haven't done in quite some time. Um, So we will see how that goes. And then uh, FlyQuest as well. Uh, so flyquest is <clears throat> uh, a very interesting team I guess they i, I there's the, the volatility on on them is very odd because they're they're another team where I feel like sometimes it's you just their draft concludes and you're just like what is this team trying to accomplish um <clears throat> and sometimes they make it work and sometimes they don't so I don't even know what to say there, uh, really. And then, so out of the PCS, you've got, uh, Machi Esports. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about them. Uh, and then, so for the play-in stage, um, we've got LGD Gaming out of China, uh, Mad Lions out of Europe. And, um, and Mad Lions is an extremely interesting team. They had, they absolutely popped off in the summer, um, split for the lec and mad lions is a team that drafts extremely well their innovation in the draft is tremendous and they are very a very good very young team it's almost all rookies um and so i'm really excited to see how this team performs um and it's actually kind of nice i think it's actually better for them to be in the play-in stage as opposed to the group stage because they're such a young team i feel like that is a better spot for them to be in to kind of get a feel for like being in worlds. Like I think that they are a team who is better than basically every other team in the play in stage. Um, I think the only team that could be threatening to them is team liquid. If for some reason they had to play each other. Um, but uh, I, I think that that's going to be really, really interesting to, to follow that team. Uh, and so then yeah, after that is team liquid out of North America, team liquid is, um, really been on a tear this second half of the year. Um, you know, they got a lot of experience. Uh, Jensen is, you know, an excellent mid laner, one of the better mid laners in, in the LCS, one of the better mid laners in the world, at least, you know, probably a top 15 mid laner in the world, I would say. <clears throat> Maybe top 10. I don't, I don't know about top 10, but for sure, top 15, I would say. Um, so... <clears throat> and then you've got impact who's you know kind of not i, I mean he hasn't been playing as well of late but I, obviously right is world champion you know top laner um and so i i think that he may be able to turn it on and, and maybe you know we'll get something out of him uh and then um uh, tactical their their ad carry their rookie ad carry has been absolutely light. i mean just on fire so that's really exciting and then core jj is also i mean an excellent support and i think that that all of that experience and i think if they're really trying to play around tactical especially um i think they're going to be in good shape and maybe broxa in the jungle i mean Obviously, Broxa is at, uh, you know, he has a very iconic lease in plays in worlds. And and so maybe he can kind of turn it on. He's not had the best year at all. So we'll see. Uh, after that, <clears throat> PSG talent out of the PCS, INTS out of Brazil. Um, Brazil usually provides some teams that are, you know, pretty, at least pretty interesting to, to kind of keep an eye on. Um, Unicorns of Love out of the LCL, V3 Esports out of Japan, um, Rainbow 7 out of Latin America, Legacy Esports out of Oceania, and uh, Papara Supermassive out of Turkey. Um, Turkey usually actually has some really good... A a lot of really good players go to play in Turkey first. Um, I can think of, uh, like... um, The jungler for golden guardians whose name is escaping me at the moment um is an excellent jungler who is playing in turkey um there's another i don't think it was broken blade i think there was another top laner who's been really good in uh, the lcs who came out of turkey and then there's a couple of players i think of the lac who came out of turkey as well so um There's usually some decent talent that comes out of there, Um, so you know we'll kind of see. I don't, I don't actually know anything about Papara Supermassive or anything like that, but um, so that that's what the uh, that's that's all the the teams that will be attending Worlds this year. Um, It's going to be very interesting. I'm excited that they're going to be able to end up playing them in person. Um, obviously I don't know how you could do worlds not in person because there's no way you could make sure that everybody had the same ping. Um, so it's going to be really exciting. Um, and I think the great thing too about, um, you know, professional video game players is you're not going to have issues like the NBA bubble where people try to bring in, people who shouldn't be coming into the bubble and stuff like that, which kind of can botch everything because then all these protocols have to come into place. That person's out and they have to kind of like, you know, figure, you know, it becomes like a whole panic mode type of thing. And I don't think that you're going to have any issue with these guys just doing exactly what they need to do to make sure that they can play. Um, Because most of them are fucking young, you know, like most professional video game players are like under 20 two years old, you know, like 20, 25 years old, at least, you know, they're all very young. They're all, um, you know, they're your classic gamers, you know? So, um, we'll, we'll see. We shouldn't have too many, I'm, you know, fingers crossed. We're not going to have any, any issues that cause, you know, COVID coming in and causing a problem. So, uh, it's going to be really exciting and I'll do some coverage on that. Um, I think the biggest thing, the biggest news of in terms of teams that did not make Worlds now is um I think first of all Cloud9 out of uh North America is probably the most glaring just because Cloud9 was so good in the spring. I mean they were undefeated in the spring until they lost to like CLG and then that was it. And then In the summer, they struggled a little bit, but they still only had, like, two losses. I mean, this team was dominating. This team, like, Cloud9 was the only North American team where people were saying, wow, this team would probably place in the LEC. I mean, this is, like, a top-tier team in the LEC if they were there. Um, And so they're like, this team can actually compete at the world's level and, like, actually feel like you have a chance. Um, and then they just completely collapsed in the playoffs, uh, just a, an utter collapse in the playoffs. Um, and then the other team, the big omission, is T1 out of uh, Korea. The the you know basically the LCK names namesake. I mean T1 is the most popular team out of Korea. It has uh, the most popular in Faker. I I mean I think most people. Even if they're like tangentially aware of professional League of Legends, they know who Faker is. He's been what, like, a, I don't even know how many world championships he's won now uh, with T1. He's the only player who's actually commanded such a contract that he has got partial ownership in T1 esports, um, which obviously, right, even in any other professional sport, you've never seen a player actually get a contract where they got partial ownership like that's how bad t1 wanted to keep him um and so and and it's well deserved i mean he has been an absolute force in the mid lane for so long and this year he hasn't been as good but he's still been fine um and and it seems like it's just a motivation issue but even then i mean their their backup closer is literally like the second coming of faker I mean, he looks fucking exactly like him, like he's got his hair cut the exact same way, he's got like the same glasses, like, and he plays like the same way of just like this mechanical god that is just is so insane to watch. So the fact that T1 did not make it was astounding to me, and and what was really insane, though, was that for that regional qualifier, it was between T1 and Gen.G., both of which have, had probably been the between the two splits, spring and summer, were probably the two best teams. Because um, I, I think what they played each other in the finals of the spring, spring split. And uh, I mean, both of which were deserving teams to go to Worlds. So the fact that it came down to one of these teams has to go was really insane in itself. And then, so it was sort of like, if t1 had won we would be sitting here saying wow i cannot believe gen g isn't going to worlds also but like i think with t1 it's just like t1 has been in worlds for like i don't know seven straight years or something like that if i'm not mistaken so to not see them there is really quite i i mean it's it's quite a huge difference really um and so th- those are the big omissions. I think this year. I don't think there's any other teams um, that come to mind as like uh, you're just like wow, I can't believe they're not there. That's definitely. Um, I-, I think everyone that's there is very deserving, and I, I'm, yeah, I'm just shocked still at the fact that there won't be a T1 and there won't be a Cloud Nine. Who Cloud Nine has been going to Worlds like every year too, so this is really quite the shakeup um, in, in terms of like those two teams, not making it um, the overall format for the play-in changed a little bit because Vietnam uh, isn't able to send their teams to China for uh world. So their two spots got um, split, I think between China and Europe. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that's how it went, but, some, something like that. I, I don't know. I, I presume it's some sort of COVID-related travel thing that Vietnam wasn't able to send their two teams. Um, that being said, I don't recall the last time a Vietnamese team made much of, like, a splash at Worlds. So, you know, uh, it's it's unfortunate because, you know, that probably sets back what whatever is the professional scene of Viet, Vietnamese League of Legends, but... Um, from the perspective of, like, the world's kind of v- viewer, they're not going to kind of miss anything. If anything, they're, you're going to get another Chinese team, which are always, you know, if nothing else, fun to watch uh, because of how bizarre they play. And uh, another European team who've just, con- you know, Europe is an exceptionally strong region as a whole. Uh, well... Uh, that's not true. There's some bad teams, but they're they're a strong region on the upper half of the bracket, I guess, or the standings. So that's where we're at at Worlds. I don't. I, I guess um, the selections I assume will happen like a day or two before games actually start. I have to double check on that. But I think that pretty much gets us caught up on the League of Legends situation and where we're at at Worlds. And I think that gets us caught up on on my video game interests at this moment. So I think that's where we will call this episode at, uh, what, about an hour and 22 minutes? Pretty good. We'll take it. Peace out. This has been Ron since. Oh, and I I am working on... um, You know, as promised through the Instagram, if you saw it, I am, you know, working on refreshing on my quantum mechanics and uh, space travel and and stuff like that. So there will be a science episode covering that. It may not be for a while because it's going to take me a minute to come up with that. It's also a very difficult topic to um, compress into an episode and also sort of to filter in a way that, you know, allows you to follow what i'm talking about without getting too into the weeds on anything you know too detailed or too you know abstract to kind of really process at that moment Um, so i i am working on that so keep an eye out and uh thanks for listening and give me a you know a Rate, review, comment, subscribe, tell your friends, all that stuff. Thank you very much. Peace out.